Hello, my name is Noah Donnelly, and today I will be talking to you about the novel Gulliver's Travels by Jonathan Swift. This book is filled with so many adventures that it is hard to summarize this without leaving out so many parts. I will do my best to point out the main parts of each adventure, as well as trying really hard to not botch up the names too bad. Let's begin. This story takes place in the early 18th century, primarily England in the imaginary countries of Lilliput, Blefuska, Brodingnag, Laputa, and the land of the Hunims. Lemuel Gulliver is the main character of the story, and he recounts his travels to each of these countries. In the beginning of the book, Gulliver explains that he was born to a family in Nottinghamshire and was the third of five sons. Upon his completion of study, he becomes a surgeon aboard a ship called the Swallow for three years. He then settles in London, working as a doctor, and marries a woman named Mary Burton, and starts his own business. His business begins to fail when his boss passes, so he decides to go to sea again and travel for six years. Although his initial plan was to return home at the end of this time, he decides to accept one last job on a ship called the Antelope. The antelope is traveling in the East Indies and capsizes. He lands in the country of Lilliput. Gulliver has just woken up from the wreck and discovers that he has been tied up and bound to the ground with thin pieces of thread. When he looks around, he sees <coughs> a, s <coughs> a slew of six-inch tall humans surrounding him with bows and arrows. The Lilliputians are wary of him. So they keep him tied up, allowing him room just to move around and relieve himself. While they are tiny, Gulliver is impressed by how brave they are. They gave him food and drink and eventually constructed a bed for him made out of 600 small beds. They teach him their language and eventually accept him as he is. Their beliefs and laws are very different from Gulliver's world. They believe dead or buried with their heads pointing directly downward, because they believe that eventually the dead will rise again. Deceit is worse than theft, because honest people are more vulnerable to liars than the thieves. Children are raised not by individual parents, but by the kingdom as a whole. While most of this time there is good, he is charged with treason upon his departure by government enemies for public urination. If he hadn't shown goodwill prior to the soldiers who tried to hurt him, he would have been doomed. Gulliver is told that Roe Dressel, the secretary of Lilliput, and one of Gulliver's friends, has asked for his sentence to be reduced, calling not for execution but for putting his eyes out. They all agree that this is the best option, along with the plan to starve him to death slowly. Hearing this, he quickly jumps on a boat and travels to Blefusco. After returning home for two months, he gets restless and sets sail on a ship called the Adventure, which is traveling to the Cape of Good Hope in Madagascar. This time it is a monsoon that gets them off track, and they land at an unknown landmass. This land is barren and rocky, and there are no people in sight. When he turns around, his ship is gone and he's stranded once again. This country is called Brodingnag. He immediately sees that the grass is 20 feet high and the corn stalks are 40 feet high. 
confused it is then that he sees the giants all around. He gets their attention by yelling. They are all intrigued by him and gather around him. He offers them gold, which means nothing to them. They are more amused by his size and make him perform tricks like a little circus show. After a while, performing tricks becomes tiresome. The queen soon learns of him and demands he be brought to her. She is so enchanted by him that she pays the farmer a thousand gold pieces for him. Gulliver is then given to her daughter to be taken care of. She constructs a bed for him and keeps him in her drawer. They have clothes made for him from fine silk. The queen loves having him around, and the king finds his stories of the going-ons going in Europe are amusing. The only one who is not happy that Gulliver is around is the queen's dwarf. He is jealous of Gulliver since he was used to being the smallest person in the palace and was the queen's favorite before. He drops Gulliver into a bowl of cream and shoves him into a marrow bone. This dwarf is punished and sent away. Gulliver describes the people of Brodingham, Brodingnag to in general to be ignorant and poorly educated. They know how to print but do not have many books. And their writing is simple and straightforward. At this point, Gulliver wants to recover his freedom. Since he has been in Brodingnag for two years and wants to be among his own kind again. Gulliver is taken to the south coast. An eagle grabs hold of Gulliver's box and flies off with him. And then suddenly Gulliver feels himself falling and lands in the water. And when he awakens, he hears a voice telling him that his box is tied to a ship and that a carpenter will come to drill a hole in the top. Gulliver is stunned and realizes he is speaking to people of his own height and is finally among his own kind again. Gulliver is at home for ten days before an opportunity to travel beckons him once again. On his way to the East Indies, the ship is attacked by pirates. Gulliver pleads for his life and is put on a small boat with four days worth of food. He finds some islands and sets up camp but notices that the sun is obscured for some time. A landmass drops out of the sky and it is full of people. He is so confused by the floating island around him. He describes them as quite odd with heads that are all tilted to one side, one eye turned inward and the other looking up. The clothes that they wear have celestial bodies and musical instruments on them. They all carry flappers, which are sticks with pouches tied to the end. The flapper is supposed to keep your mind from wandering. Gulliver is brought to the king, and it becomes clear that they cannot understand each other. The king sends someone to teach Gulliver the language of the island. It is then that he learns the name of the island is Laputa, which translates to the floating island. They travel to the capital city of the kingdom called Legato. The language of the Laputans relies on mathematical and musical concepts, as they believe this is the most important theoretical discipline. They hate geometry, much like myself, so no buildings are built using right angles. They practice astrology and dread changes in the celestial bodies. Gulliver feels neglected on Laputa, since they only care about mathematics and music, and are far superior to him in their knowledge. He is bored of their conversation and wants to leave. There is one lord of the court 
whom Gulliver finds to be intelligent and curious, but who is regarded by the other inhabitants of Laputa as stupid because he has no ear for music. Gulliver asks this lord to petition the king to leave, to let him leave the island. The petition succeeds, and he is let down on the mountains above Legato. Gulliver begins to yearn for a return to England. This time, Gulliver stays home for five months before he sets sail again. This time, he is the captain of the ship called the Adventure, so aptly named. Many of his crew died due to illness, so he recruits more sailors along the way, who in turn turn on him and become pirates. They abandon him on unknown shores, where all he sees is animals with long hair, beards, and sharp claws. We find out that this place is known as the land of the Hunahims. Gulliver thinks all these animals are strange and sets off to look for settlers. Unable to find any, he comes across a horse. He notices all the animals seem to be afraid of the horse and his companion, another horse. He tries to leave, but the horse calls out to him. Gulliver is mesmerized by their intelligence and concludes that they must be magicians. The horses lead Gulliver to a house where he is expecting to meet people. The only thing he sees in the house is more horses who are sitting down and engaged in various activities. The horses all take great pleasure in teaching Gulliver to pronounce words in their language. Gulliver is eager to learn the horse's language. They are impressed by his intellect and curiosity. He explains to them that he comes from across the sea, but the horses, or Hunahims, do not believe that such a thing is possible. They think that Gulliver is some kind of yahoo or crazy person. Though superior to the rest of his species, he asks them to stop using that word to refer to him, and they consent. Over the course of two years, Gulliver describes the state of affairs in Europe, speaking to his Hunahim master about the English Revolution and war with France. They do not understand the concept of war, and ask him to explain the reason for war. They also ask him to tell them about law and the justice system in his country. They are eager to learn about other things too, such as money and the different kinds of food eaten in Europe. It is here that Gulliver feels most at home. He develops such a love for the Hunahims that he no longer wants to return to England or be around humankind, unfortunately. Gulliver is forced to travel back to England, where he returns to his family, who are shocked to see him, assuming that he is dead. He is very angry with them, and for a full year he cannot stand to be near his wife and children. He instead prefers to spend his time with the two horses he bought and talks to them for hours each day. Gulliver ends his story telling us that it is his duty to report his findings to the government. He feels that this would not be necessary since there would be no military advantage in doing so. Moreover, he particularly wishes to protect the Hunahims, as they were the ones that made him feel the most revelant. This book had so many themes it was hard to just choose one. The one that stuck out most to me was the limits of human understanding. Each adventure showed Gulliver that what we think is purposeful, important, or necessary is only in our minds. We don't know everything that goes on, nor should we pretend to do so, because in doing that, we look uneducated. In each adventure, he is shown a different aspect of what is important. 
In Lilliput, he learns that size does not matter. The Lilliputians symbolize mankind's exaggerated pride and its own tiny existence. They were far the most vain, arrogant, and smug of all the lands. We as humans would consider them to be useless and without power. The brawling nags, the brawling nagins exemplify the private, personal, and physical side of humans. When examined up close and in great detail, being as tiny as he was in their world, he was able to see up close and personal things he would never have noticed prior to. Things we just take for granted upon further inspection are so much more than meets the eye. The Laputans show us the foolishness of theoretical knowledge that has no relation to human life and no use in the actual world. Their love for math and music is of no real consequence in our society today except for what it is. Laputa felt that this was the only things of worth. The Hunanim lived this life of simplest existence. Their life was governed by a sense of calmness and restraint. They saw no need for laws, government, wars, or deceit. They did not use force, but only strong exhortation. They lived the humblest and had the happiest of all the lives Gulliver came across. Every land had its ideal of what was important, showing us clearly that we truly have no concept of anything besides our own personal beliefs. What we find important may not be so. What we find foolish is someone else's sensible. What we believe is merely our own understanding. The world is full of so many different ideals that we alone can never understand it all. We can only experience and then rationalize what we believe to be true. We should always be questioning, yearning to learn more, and not live in such a trivial state that we only believe what we know.